Has it ever seemed to you that it's when things are going at their very best that the wheels fall off? I mean, just everything begins to fall apart. Have you ever experienced that? You know, it's like the athlete who right at the very height of their career, you know, has this uh, debilitating injury and, you know, ends their career early. Or maybe a president that finally got the economy really cooking only to uh, go into a global pandemic, right? That, that happens. Well, it was this March of 2020 when Kelly and I had been here at the Santa Maria Foursquare Church for five years, seemed like everything was moving along really well, and then COVID happens, you know? Uh, we've had days like uh, where it's like, uh, God, where are you in all of this? You know, it's like things really were going so well. And then like it feels like the wheels fall off. Well, listen, it's in Acts chapter 5 where we are today that we find the church likely asking that very same question because they were on mission. You know, people were coming to know God. Miracles were happening. And then, man, it seemed like all hell broke loose right then. But, but I want you to see, like, before the wheels fell off, how things uh, were going, because they were going so incredibly well. And we, we start reading in verse 14 of Acts chapter 5. And it says, More and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, Sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. Wow, like more and more people were coming to Jesus Crowds from neighboring areas were pushing into Jerusalem because of the amazing miracles that were happening. I mean, even Peter's shadow was causing people to, uh, to rise up and be well. You know what? That's the kind of church we all want to belong to. But right then, it says this is what happens. The very following verses, verses uh, 17 and 18, it says the high priest and his officials who were Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. Listen, whenever God is getting glory and the name of Jesus is being lifted up, it's going to get someone good and mad. Uh, you know, here in Santa Maria, I love our city, and one of the things I really love about it is that our city council, they want to start every city council meeting with prayer. And if you're a Christian, you can go and you can pray in Jesus' name, and um, other faith traditions are involved to uh, participate in those prayer times too, but it's important for our city council. And so our pastoral staff uh, particip participates in that along with other uh, Christian leaders and other, other faith leaders from our city. It was a couple of years ago that one of our staff members was at the city council praying. And, you know, they pray a good prayer of just blessing over our city and wisdom and grace on our city leaders. And at the end of the prayer said, in Jesus' name, amen. 
right then in the back of the room, there's this voice, this angry, shrill voice that was that, that cried out, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And it was like, you know, our staff member was like, what? What just happened? You know? But listen, whenever Jesus is lifted up and glorified, it's going to get someone mad. And here, right here, it says that the religious leaders were filled with jealousy. Now, you know, why, why would they be jealous? I mean, they had centuries of leadership behind them and, you know, people flocked um, to them. But they were be, being filled with jealousy. Why? Because, well, people were beginning to change their allegiance. Listen, make no mistake. The message of Jesus is in direct conflict with every other philosophy that people might buy into. You know, whether it's uh, political or religious, economic, psychological, whatever. Listen, whether it's communism, capitalism, legalism, or hedonism, they are all in competition against the claims of Jesus now, as long as people like simply believe that Jesus was a pretty uh, nice guy, right? This, uh, this good religious figure, then we're probably okay. Like if our staff member had gone and prayed just this generic prayer like, hey, everybody just be well and be blessed and hadn't prayed in the name of Jesus, uh, everything would have been fine. But it was at the name of Jesus, right, that, that things uh, began to, uh, well, get a little heated. So if we're just like being nice people, it's okay. But when we start to put our allegiance in Jesus, there's challenges to all these other uh, ideologies. And, right, and I hope that makes sense to you. As followers of Jesus, we get a target on our back because the claims of Jesus are in direct conflict with all of these other narratives. You know, I just named a few of them. But communism claims that the state is king. Capitalism claims that the dollar is king. Legalism, of course, they claim that rules are king. And on the opposite end, hedonism claims that pleasure is king. But here's what the Bible claims, that Jesus is the king. In fact, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, there is nothing or no one above him. So if you're operating in one of these other systems and uh, you're in, you know, then you encounter Jesus, you have a decision to make. You're either going to surrender your life to Jesus or you're going to fight him. And here in Acts 5, they fought. In fact, it says that they threw these Jesus followers right into prison. We got you now. Or did they? Because as you keep reading the story, uh, picking up in verse 19, uh, they get thrown into jail, but it says this. It says, but an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, the angel said, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple, as they were told, and immediately began teaching. It's like, yes, God shows up right in the nick of time. 
Listen, I take courage from that because it's so good to know that God knows right where I am, even in the middle of hardship. Listen, the angel didn't have to search for the apostles. He knew right where they were and showed up right at their side and, uh, and participates in this incredible jailbreak. And God gives them this instruction through the angel. Go to the temple right now and just get out there. Go to the temple. Like, don't go into hiding. You know, don't, don't go back to your homes and pretend none of this happened. Go to the temple and give the, uh, the people this message of life. In other words, listen, God was saying this, get right back in the game. Keep sharing this message of salvation. And that's exactly what they did. But this story and their hardship doesn't stop right there. Because if you were to keep reading, what you find is that not only were they re-arrested, like right there in the temple that morning, but now the religious leaders want to kill them. Now, one of those leaders kind of convinces them that that is not a good idea. So what do they do? They flog them instead, and they command them to never preach again in the name of Jesus. I mean, that's hardship, right? Our staff member just kind of got heckled a little bit. But I mean, this is like, this is real hardship. This is persecution that they're, that they're going through. But through all this, the church was discovering a lesson that not only did they need to capture, but we need to capture as the church of Jesus as well. That we had better become a resilient community because we will face hardship. And so if we don't become resilient, all could be jeopardized, all could be lost. So here's what I want to do over our, our next minutes together. I want to answer two questions about hardship, right? I mean, to talk about resilience, you've got to talk about hardship because without hardship, we wouldn't need to be resilient. So I want to answer two questions about hardship. I think uh, questions that can actually trip us up. But if we get these questions right, if we can, we can come to some right conclusions about these questions, I believe that they'll help us to become more resilient as followers of Jesus, um, not only individually, but as a church as well. So here's the two questions we're going to look at. First, we're going to ask, you know, why do, why do we uh, think that we would not go through hardship? It's like, you know, sometimes I think we can uh, mistakenly believe that, hey, we love Jesus, so life is just going to be charmed. It's going to be easy at every step and we won't face hardship. But so why do we think that? And the second question we're going to look at is, does hardship have a point? Like, is there a purpose behind all this? Because if we're going to go through hardship, we better figure out, hey, is there a purpose behind what we're, what we're uh, encountering? So here's the first question. Why is it that we suppose that life won't include hardship? Here's the answer. I believe it's simply because we tend to be very forgetful people. Listen, we forget first that Jesus, the central figure of our faith, what did he go through? He was betrayed, he was tortured, and he was killed, right? There is no resurrection, which is the, you know, fantastic, great celebration. There is no resurrection without a crucifixion. 
And we can just forget that the central figure of our, our faith, man, went through incredible grief, incredible pain and hardship. We also forget what Jesus said. I hear something that he said. It's recorded in John chapter 15, verses 18 through 20, where he says, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they're going to persecute you as well. So we forget about the life of our Savior, and we also sometimes forget what he said. But we also forget that the closest followers of Jesus, and they all faced hardship. In fact, the 12 apostles were all martyred for their faith. Martyrdom simply means that they were uh, executed because of their religious beliefs and because they were following Jesus instead of one of these other narratives. Now, history tells us that all of the 12 were martyred, but, oh, but one of them, John, didn't die when, uh, when they went to kill him. Historians say that they tried to kill John by boiling him in oil, but he wouldn't die. Now, that's pretty incredible and, uh, and a, a certainly a miracle in its own right. But, but we forget what these closest followers of Jesus went through. We also for, uh, can easily forget what the Bible teaches. Listen to what the, Paul said in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. He said this, Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. Hey, great to know we're not crushed, but hey, please remember, we're going to go through every kind, every kind of pressure. And he goes on and it says, at times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We're persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. We continually share. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. These are all things we will experience in life. God's word says so. You are going to get knocked down by various hardships and, and so am I. We can count on it, but we forget. We also forget what people are experiencing all around the world. Uh, this has gone on historically, but even right now, there are followers of Jesus in other countries that are being persecuted and killed for their faith. There's a ministry called Voice of the Martyrs. Um, it's, a, it's a ministry that's been around for quite a while that brings attention to the persecuted church around the world. And I'm telling you, it would be worth your while uh, just to go and explore their website and, and see uh, you know, what you can learn and, and how you can pray and, and even contribute to those who are being persecuted around the world because they are followers of Jesus, just like you and I. Here's something that's, uh, that they state on their website, Voice of the Martyrs. It says, in more than 40 nations around the world today, Christians are being persecuted for their faith. In some of these nations, it is illegal 
to own a Bible, to share your faith, to change your faith, or teach your children about Jesus. Those who boldly follow Christ in spite of government edict or radical opposition can face harassment, arrest, torture, and even death. Yet, Christians continue to meet for worship and to witness for Christ. And the church in restricted nations is growing. Listen, we are simply very forgetful people. We forget about Jesus, what he went through, and what he taught. And we forget about the hardships experienced by other followers of Jesus, not only those from long ago in biblical days, but from others right now in different parts of the world. I think that we tend to live very insulated lives, right? That's why we become forgetful. We actively work to protect ourselves from hardship. You know, and in most cases, that's, that's a good thing. But friends, don't be surprised when hardship comes, problems, persecution, or pain. Jesus told us we would experience these things. He experienced these things. And really, they're a part of what it means to be human. And just maybe, just maybe these hardships uh, that we go through serve a greater purpose. I mean, wouldn't it be helpful to know that the hardships that we're going through are actually doing things in our lives that are significant and important? So let's take a look at what God's Word tells us about hardship and see if we can find some purpose in the middle of difficulty. Because I think that if we're successful here in answering these questions, possibly we could grow towards greater resiliency, both as individuals and as a church, so that we won't get knocked over and stay down when we face the hardships that we know are, uh, that are coming and that are here. Now listen, I find at least three different biblical purposes for hardship. It can cause an increase in our maturity, our mission, and our intimacy. Now, the first of these is likely the most obvious. Because listen, hardship, it's either going to kill us, or if it, we allow it, it's going to cause us to personally grow. Now, we wish that we could uh, grow strong just by sitting on the couch, watching TV, and eating a bag or bags of chips. But the only thing that grows uh, when, we do, when we do that is our waistline. And please do not ask me how I know about that. But listen, there's something that is, that is a game changer. Uh, you know, when we go through hard things that actually builds strength into our lives so that we can become the mature people that God has called us to be and really the mature people that, that we want to become. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest leaders uh, in, of the church of all time, right? He wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. He faced all kinds of hardship, even eventually being executed by Caesar. What did he say about growing through hardship? Listen to the words that he wrote, captured in uh, the letter he wrote to the church in Rome. Romans 5, verses 3 and 4 says this, In times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop us 
in patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. Now, none of this growth or maturity will happen. You know, the greater endurance, the character, uh, you know, all this maturity. If we cave under the pressure and just give up. Right? This is just too hard. It is too painful. I'm done. You know, I'm going back to, and then just fill in whatever uh, blank it is that, you know, maybe how you have chosen to self-medicate. You know, some people go back to booze. Some people turn to porn. Some people just get lazy and stop fighting for and working towards uh, the very things that God has called us to do. Right? We just begin to self-medicate. Growth happens when we take a hold of God's hand and walk with him through the storm rather than giving up. Then, guess what happens? We gain this testimony of how God saw us through those difficult seasons. And if he did it before, he'll do it again. Now, if If Jesus has been there to walk you through a difficulty and a hardship, and guess what? You can know with confidence. That's why Paul said that we can have this joyful confidence that he's going to do it again. I believe that knowing that is a key to resiliency. Listen, if any of you are married, uh, hopefully you would have uh, experienced this in your own life and in your own relationship. Kelly and I definitely have. When we have faced real problems, and trust me, the hardships that have come to our marriage have mainly come uh, through years truly right here, you know, often because just of my own immaturity and pride and just kind of being a knucklehead at times. But when we've faced our issues just like head on, gone and received wise counsel to get new insight on on what we're experiencing, and then we've done the hard work of rebuilding what had been broken, you know what? We've grown. I have a more resilient marriage today as a result. In Japan, there's this centuries-old technique for mending broken pottery. It's something pretty amazing, something beautiful. And if you're, if you're watching the video, I'm going to put a picture up of, of uh, what the finished product looks like to mend broken pottery. It's called Tenzuki. And in this process, a master potter will take the broken pieces of pottery and use gold or other precious metals to join the fragments back together. Not only does this make for a more beautiful, finished piece, but guess what? It's stronger as well. I believe this is a picture of what God will do in our lives, right? When, when hard, hardships come and, and these cracks develop and, you know, whether they're emotional or physical, whether they're relation, relational or spiritual, the master potter. God himself will take us in his hands and bring about healing and restoration in ways that leave us not only with greater beauty to our lives, but with greater resiliency and strength as well. 
Now that is growth, personal growth, maturing growth. But did you know that hardship won't only just cause you to grow, but will also, if you allow it, propel you into greater mission. God will, at times, use difficulties to dislodge us from the places where we've grown comfortable to move us into greater mission. I know this has been a, a, a reoccurring story in, in my own life of, as God has used hardship sometimes to help me see that I need to get out of here and get on with those things that God has for me and my life. And we clearly see this right here in the book of Acts. Now, you may remember that back in the first chapter of Acts, um, in Acts 1.8, we read Jesus' statement to his disciples. And he said this, he said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But do you know what happened next? For several years, the believers just stayed right where they were in Jerusalem. They were doing great. And the church was growing, you know, so we're just like, we're just getting happy, uh, fat and happy together, just hanging out in Jerusalem together. Why leave, right? Why go to Judea? Why go to Samaria? And man, I, I, I'm not thinking about the ends of the earth right now. Sure, that was the mission that Jesus gave us, but we're so comfortable right here. It's like we just have the blessing of God on our lives. So that was, right, that was Acts 1.8. Now it took about five years for them to get to Acts 8.1, right? Just invert those numbers from Acts 1.8 to Acts 8.1, and here's what we read in Acts 8.1. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of where? Judea and Samaria. What? It's like, did, did you catch that? Where did this hardship scatter the believers? Through Judea and Samaria, the very places that Jesus had told them that they would be going as part of God's global mission. But they had resisted being part of that mission team. You know, they were like, no, we're sticking, to, sticking out right here in Jerusalem. We like it here. But now that hardship came, this great wave of persecution, Acts 8.1 um, tells us, it forced them. I mean, literally just, it compelled them get out of Jerusalem where they had been so comfortable. Right? I've... I've heard this story many times, and I'm sure you have too, but I think it's like what a mama bird does to get their chicks out of the nest, right? If you're just that little chick, right? Now, who wants to leave the nest? It's lined with these soft feathers that mom just kind of nestled around me to make sure I was comfortable. And then she's going out and doing all the hard work of getting uh, food for me, bringing it back to me. She even chews it up for me and feeds me. I mean, it's like, man, why would I ever want to leave this place of comfort? 
But here's what I've been told is that that mama bird, when it knows it's time for that little chick to get out of the nest, what does it do? It starts to remove those soft feathers that were cushioning the nest. So pretty soon what happens? We're getting poked by sticks that we've never even noticed before. It's the hardships that provoke us to move out. Friends, we were not created to stay in the nest forever. We were created for mission. And God will even use hardships to remind us of that and get us out and moving where he has called us to go. Now, finally, the third thing is I believe that God will also use hardship to create greater intimacy in our lives. Now, I want to say this with, with great grace because it could sound like, what, you know, God's, God's going to use hardship, you know, pain or persecution to develop a greater intimacy. I mean, can't he just tell me uh, that he loves me and that's all good? Well, listen, I want you to read what Peter wrote. Peter was one of the disciples, you know, one of the, the closest followers of Jesus. And I really appreciate what he said, and it's captured in his letter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. And he says this, he says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Right? I mean, he was doing what we've been doing today. And, and that's just remembering, wow, okay, we, we can't forget hardships are going to come. And that's exactly what Peter is saying here. You know, don't, don't uh, be surprised by these things as if something strange were happening to you. And he goes on and says, instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. Listen, when you go through the same hardship as someone else, you know, you share now a special bond with that person, right? There's this level of intimate connection that's, that's even hard to describe. Now, I've had that when, when I meet people for the first time and, and I notice that they have a certain scar that looks a whole lot like mine. You know, I had uh, thyroid cancer, and so I've got this little scar on my throat. I don't know if you've noticed, it's kind of faded, but man, when I walk up to someone and, and I'm talking to them and I like notice, wow, they have a scar that looks a lot like mine. I'm like, hey, have you had thyroid surgery? You have, wow, well, me too. You know, and it's like, we, we're, into, we're, uh, we're immediately friends, right? There's this, there's this bond, that there's this, there's this connection. But how much more does my intimacy with Jesus grow when I hold, like, the elements of communion in my hands? Like, when I take the, the bread representing Jesus' broken body, knowing that he went to the cross for me because of his great love for me, and then I take the cup and realize that that represents this wounding, this deep wounding, a fatal wounding that he went through and he shed his lifeblood for me. Jesus went to the cross for me. Well, one thing that that does is it puts my hardships 
into perspective big time because Jesus suffered like I'm never going to suffer. But you know what else? I know that my hardships are still hard, right? I'm still experiencing pain in my life. But now I can look back at what Jesus went through because of his love for me. And I can say, Jesus, you really understand what I'm going through. You have been there for me. So I want to tell you, friends, I really do believe that hardship serves a purpose. And it grows us in our, in our faith. It grows us as people of, of deeper maturity. It uh, thrusts us out into mission where, where we may have, you know, kind of, uh, you know, maybe fallen behind and, in, uh, and just grown comfortable. But then also God will use hardship to create this bond with Jesus where we understand that Jesus, you really do understand what I go through. You know my pain. You even understand persecution. And you certainly understand problems of every kind. And so our hearts are drawn even closer to him. Now, as I wrap up this message, I want to be sure that you understand God never uses hardship in our lives to harm us. Right? But please remember... Not everything that hurts is harmful, right? I mean, shots hurt, but they are for our healing and for our benefit. The medicine that, that shots deliver helps us to build resiliency to sicknesses and disease that might otherwise kill us, right? So everything that, is, uh, that hurts is, is not harmful. So please understand, God is not looking to harm you. In love, he's wanting us to grow, right? Both as individual followers of him and as a church, in our maturity, in our mission, and in our intimacy with him. And he longs for us to become this resilient, strong community. Now, we will go through hardship. You know, in fact, you know, we all right now are probably in one of the greatest hardships that we've ever known and prayerfully the greatest hardship that we'll ever known uh, as, as part of a global community and right here locally in Santa Maria. But friends, we're going to make it through, right? God has seen us through other kinds of difficulties before. He's going to see us through here. We're going to come out the other side stronger and more resilient than ever before. And so we take courage in the words of Jesus who said this in John 16, He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Now we turn our hearts to prayer. Would you join me, friends? God, we do take heart. Lord, we take courage in your words. Lord, knowing that, that your word is true, that you have overcome the world. In other words, every single thing that we might face in this world, every trial, every hardship, Lord Jesus, we know that you've overcome those things and you did it on the cross. In fact, your word tells us that it was by your stripes that we are healed. 
So Lord, we're, we can walk in emotional healing and physical healing, relational healing, Lord, and we can walk in spiritual healing that every area of brokenness in our lives can be healed and restored by you, by our Lord and Savior. So Jesus, thank you, Lord, that we know that we can go through hardships and not be crushed, but Lord, that we can come out stronger and more resilient than ever before. And Lord, we also take courage in the fact that Lord, because you've overcome the world, Lord, that you have also overcome everything that would hold us back from relationship with you. There is no sin that we have chosen to walk into, Lord, that is greater than your ability to bring forgiveness to us. And so, Lord, we lay, we, we lay claim to that. Lord, we say, God, would you forgive? Would you bring restoration to us spiritually? Because, God, we want to walk in fullness of relationship with you. And friends, that can be your reality. That's not just for other people. That's not just for me as a pastor. That's for you as well. Just cry out to him. Ask God to forgive you, and he will. And ask him to welcome you into fullness of relationship. And his promise is that all who cry out to him, that all who call on his name will be saved. So friends, that's the message for this week. I hope you find comfort and strength in it. Yeah, we're going to go through hard times. But God is calling us to be people and a church that are resilient. And I know that you can walk in strength and resiliency in the days ahead. And I look forward to being back with you next week. And uh, church, you're loved. We're going to see you really soon.